Take that copyright law. That song version belongs to us. Welcome, guys, to Hair of the Werewolf. Christmas edition. <laughs> I'm Lily, and I have here with me Chase. What's up, guys? We have a very special Christmas episode for you this time, episode eight. And we are a paranormal podcast. So if you're thinking just because it's Christmas, it's not going to be scary, you're wrong. And if you're also thinking just because it's Christmas, we're not going to be drinking, you're also wrong. <laughs> It doesn't matter what day it is. <laughs> yeah. But today we are at least making it festive drinks. We have hot spice cider. Hot spice cider. Cheers. With a little bit of rum. <laughs> yeah, a little bit's the right term. I mean, it's as our friend Elisa introduced us to this drink. Yeah. But it's not unlike the uh, ciders that we were drinking when, uh, in England last Christmas. Because all the all the pubs and even that teepee and i mean it was actually the mold cider you mean yeah it was mold cider and mold wine which was just hot alcoholic spiced Mm. stuff the wine tasted great it smelled funky though yeah it smelled weird yeah i wasn't into it i mean i like drinking it but like with my nose pinched (laughs) but i mean the weirdest thing when we were there so we we spent christmas in york um and they have this giant christmas market out where people are buying gifts and, and it's it's really wonderful it's very festive but then they have this giant teepee i mean it's actually a teepee and it's called thor's teepee (laughs) and it's huge i mean it's like bigger than a house and you go inside it and they have a fireplace inside and people are are all sitting at tables in there and they're drinking beer and cider and wine and and everything and just having a really good time and it kind of caught us off guard because we're like thor is like norse mythology and teepees like at least i associate it more with uh uh native american tribes and stuff and then it was it, i mean they built it just for the season i mean like i think it comes back every year it, but i it's, think it's, it's a, a temporary building yeah um it was it was trippy but it was really fun to go to it was really funny um i really enjoyed it and i guess uh because unfortunately everyone is probably gonna have to stay home less travel less seeing family just try to think back of last year's Christmas and then be happy and enjoy these scary stories. And next Christmas will be twice as awesome because <laughs> we'll be hitting it twice as hard. Yes, I hope so. Same thing goes with uh, St. Patty's Day, which is coming up soon. And let's hope, let's hope <laughs> by by uh, the middle of March. I mean, Christmas was sad, but St. Patty's Day, that would be a tragedy. Well, that one destroyed me because uh, everything locked down like, the day before St. Patty's well, Day. Well, yeah, they canceled it right and before. That's like one of my yeah. favorite holidays of the year. So we've been missing a lot of really good holidays and birthdays. Shout out to everyone whose birthday has happened in this, what, nine-month period so far. And will continue, you know. Yeah, let's until... hope uh, Let's hope we can actually celebrate it well soon. Yay. Well, with that said, let me scare you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring See, if it's Christmas episode, it's got to be Christmas-themed. Exactly. And it is. Perfect. Because my story is about Krampus. Ah. Krampus. <laughs> Demon anti-Santa. Yes. It actually, it is. Um, so, he goes by many names, not because he is the devil, but mostly because he's had many interpretations and revisions throughout history, and no one really knows where he came from. So here's my modern interpretation, like when I gathered. Just, <laughs> so you're making your own new Lily <laughs> interpretation on top of all the others. This is the hair of the werewolf interpretation of Krampus. Uh, well, what I say is, is just based on like what the most popular 
people's perception and what uh, seems to be accepted as far as like the figure. But but it's like it's like vampires then. Different kind of. movies can't agree on whether or not crosses bother them or garlic bothers them or whether or not their skin is pale or sparkly. Something or, like that. Yeah. yeah. So the one that I liked is... <laughs> Choice. Uh, he is often portrayed as a demon or part demon, part ghost, and sometimes part human. He has... He is covered in black or brown fur, has blood red eyes, long black hair, long horns, large fangs, sharp claws, and an exaggeratingly long tongue. Mm. Sounds like our logo. <laughs> oh my god, it is. <laughs> our logo so is for just today, Krampus. We are hair of the Krampus. We're here. <laughs> yep. Um Wow, I should have come up with a better description. <laughs> it's just like, that's like a any, werewolf. that's like a bear. It's like a gonna, werewolf with horns. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also carries a brown sack or a wicker basket so that he can fill it with naughty children. Nice. Another co- uh, common description is that one of his legs is a hoof and the other is a human leg. <laughs> But everything else is the same. So. Oh my god, I'm um <laughs> so he's a human leg. So he has maybe a human leg or two hooves. I mean it really depends on what you what so you like. I'm imagining if he has one of each, it looks like he's kinda hobbling, like he, he needs like a crutch or something. Yeah, he kinda looks a little weird. It doesn't look comfortable. It kinda looks like when you lose a shoe and you're looking for it. <laughs> it just looks like that. You're like, it doesn't really feel good. <laughs> Please help the Krampus. <laughs> He looks, he looks like he needs help. Yep. Um, so, the name Krampus is believed to come from the term Krampen, which means claw. He has some other great nicknames, though. Uh, some call him the Christmas Devil, the Demon of Christmas, the Anti-Saint Nicholas, and all that good stuff. But with that said, he is Saint Nick's companion, his other half. So he's basically... Like his evil to St. Nicholas is good. He's like Loki to Thor. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So they just complete each other. <laughs> um, so on the night before Christmas, he visits all the children to judge them to see if they have been naughty. And like Santa, he doesn't leave misbehaving children lump of coal. He instead does one of the following. He either whips them with birch sticks... Like Belschnickel. A little bit like (laughs) Belschnickel, yep. He steals the children by stuffing them in his brown sack and drags them to the underworld and then eats them alive. I like how you say steal and not kidnap. Is it it because he's a demon it's not kidnapping or or what? Because, I mean, I would say kidnapping, not stealing. I guess he does kidnap because it is a kid and it is now in his knapsack. Yeah, because he went to prison. So, he, it's a very different charge to steal something as it is to kidnap someone. I just think he took something that wasn't his. All right, gotcha. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I saw. So he eats them. Then he does eat them. He eats them alive. So he must be mad if he keeps running into a lot of good children because he's like, "Damn, I'm hungry." Yeah, he's like, "I'll just have them for a snack." Just <laughs> yeah. to give. <laughs> he wasn't good enough. <laughs> yep. Um, sometimes he'll drown them in either water or ink. Or ink. I know. That one was a weird one. I saw that in an article and I felt like if I didn't add add it. I There's just... probably some like 
antiquated method in which people, when they used to write with like quills and whatnot, that they had large ink wells that were big enough to I drown a child in. Something like that. And then, you know, there, some of the illustrations that I saw did look like a child. <laughs> this is going to be graphic. Like, uh, like Krampus holding him with a pitchfork, picking him out of a of some sort of black ink that he was covered in and the child was obviously lifeless. Anyway, that's Krampus. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, bear with me. The ink gives him more flavor. <laughs> oh, maybe. Hey, people in Japan actually do consume uh, squid ink. It's it's used in stuff. They dye noodles. Oh, There's that's these right. black noodles that they use squid ink in. So yeah. who knows? Maybe Krampus likes the way it tastes. I guess so. It's just a delicacy. Mm. Nice. Uh, let's see. Oh, and you know what? Sometimes if he decides you've been very bad, then he'll kind of combine punishments. (laughs) So he'll either hit you with sticks and then drown you, maybe steal you, drown you, and then eat you later. I mean, it's just really up in the air. You got to be a really crappy kid to get all three. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's actually true. A whip and a drown and then eaten. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, I think that might be, I don't know, drowning, getting eaten alive. I really hadn't had to think about it a lot before but maybe the whipping tenderizes the meat oh maybe but they're birch sticks they're not that just do it enough (laughs) he's gonna get really tired do you really want krampus to cramp up now would those birch sticks be considered a broom could we possibly (laughs) use those to keep keep back the uh boo hag the boo hag two uh two birds with one stone i don't think so they're not that many they just seem like a little i'd like pile. to think krampus and boo hag would probably be like bffs anyway. i think they probably they hang out yeah they probably as long, dated. as long as as long as he puts his broom away she's like <laughs> she's like i'll hang out but you better not have any brooms or so help me please get rid of your birch stick collection because i need to come <laughs> in the door um so here are some of his origin theories, because like I had mentioned before, nobody really knows exactly like a solidified source of where he may, may have come from. Sure. But here's one that I liked. So one is a pagan origins from the Alpine region in, you know, like Austria, or Germany, Switzerland yeah. area. And there was this winter deity or witch rather called Frau Perkta, and she would appear during the winter solstice. And she was believed to have the qualities of both Santa Claus and Krampus. So she was kind of OG, I think. So, but you mean like she gave gifts, but also she punished children too? Yeah, so I'll, I'll explain what she oh, did. okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So she would visit children around mid-December. And that a lot of people would eventually associate to the 12 days of Christmas. Um, however, I read a little bit more into it because I heard it the opposite way before, where the 12 days of Christmas was the 12 days before Christmas, and then Christmas was the last day. And then there's the 12 days of Christmas that Christmas is the first day of the 12 days, and then it, and then it lands on the 5th. Okay. Yeah. It depends on, like, which church you follow and, like, what century Anyway. We've had one Christmas. What about second Christmas? <laughs> Let's have second Christmas. Um, yeah, so she would come visit during the mid-December to judge children. She had two forms, which sounds familiar. The children that were good would see her as this beautiful snow goddess, uh, like creature that would leave a silver coin in their shoe. Like a tooth fairy. Kind of, yeah, a shoe fairy. And the children that were bad, she would appear as a grotesque-looking old hag that would split open their stomachs, remove their organs, and fill it with rocks and straw. I mean, would she put it back together again? 
she might sew you up. But I was like, I mean, is it assumed then that the kid was going to die? Or oh, yeah, he he's just, dead. Okay, I was like, or, or did she. he just have to deal with digesting rocks and stuff? I think it's just... I mean, this that... is folklore, of course. I mean, obviously in real life, if you rip open a kid's stomach, especially like a thousand years ago, they're gonna die. I mean, it's not like, you know, they're left hollow inside. But no, I mean, no, no, no. I, I mean, that. it's like literal and now they're okay, dead. Okay, I was just asking, yeah. in the world of this folklore, are the kids put back together afterwards? No, but this is what she does. So that's how you know your kid was bad, is that you come in there and it's all bloody and he's full of straw or pebbles or whatever. Yay. Um... She was often accompanied by some spirits that would follow her, and they were called Perkton, which is plural for her name, which is Perkta. These creatures looked very similar to what we know today as Krampus. The Perkton's purpose was to enter your home and ward off any evil spirits, but they were also mischievous creatures. So they're kind of like demon elves. I think it's, yeah, because then like they're kind of like elves too. And I also am confused by this theory because... You know, Perkta herself is evil, but they're like... But she's good But she's okay. <laughs> she's just... She's like a judge. We're talking about the other means. This is, the, this, is the, this is not just the OG Krampus. This is the OG Judge Dread. Judge Dread, yeah. yeah. Basically, Punisher. Just whatever. Yeah. Am I going to kill you or let you live and give you some coin? <laughs> Aw, maybe. What a wonderful time it would have been to live back in those days. <laughs> like, don't be bad this year or something's going to eat and rip open your stomach. But if you're good, we'll pay you. We'll give you a coin. It's so, like, can I have a third option where I can be okay and nothing happens? Because that's the route I want to take. Is there a way to opt out of this? Um, so, there were also a lot of celebrations that was based off this creature, like Perkta and the Perktons. It was called Perktonlauf, where everyone would dress up like a Perkton and run around being devious all the while drinking tons of alcohol. So it was kind of fun for all, for the adults especially, and then the kids were terrified. Sweet. Yay. Yeah, I Everyone mean, wins. If, if the parents are going to get drunk, it's really good to make sure your kids are in line because you're going to be completely out of sorts. <laughs> so if your kids are scared shitless, then, you know. Then you can do whatever you want because exactly. they're going to be fine. It makes sense. I have a feeling that this ritual started as a way to deal with kids while you're drunk. Go to bed. <laughs> Mommy's going to get crazy. <laughs> I have to celebrate to keep the demon away. <laughs> and you better be I good. I have to do this. Demon's going to eat your stomach out. <laughs> Mommy has no choice. Okay. Let's see. It should be noted that the Christian church was already absorbing some of these pagan traits, making them more appealing so people can convert more easily. And uh, that's just one nice way of putting it. But then uh, they were also demonizing Perkton and Perkton Lauf, the celebration, because they said it looked too much like the devil that they took an inspiration from their own religion, from the pagan celebration so they do you know what i'm saying like they made the devil look like perkton and then now that it looks like perkton they're like you can't do it because the devil looks like perkton i guess i'm confused wait so so like so essentially what the church end up doing because the christian church obviously came much after the pagan uh religion right well i don't know how uh, long ago this was but so yeah. this would have been this would have been around the 12th century oh well Christianity existed long before that. No, no, no. I understand that. But these traditions had been around for centuries and centuries prior as well. Okay, okay. So, but like when... So you're saying when the Christian church came in, they were upset that Perkton looked a lot like their personification of the devil. Yeah, which came from Perkton. In that region, I would assume. Right. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're just like, we took what 
you thought was fun, made it our devil, but now you can't use it because it's our devil. <laughs> I feel like we're going in circles. I guess it's one of those you had to be there kind of moments. I guess so. It's just like, it's kind of like manipulation. It's like... Hmm. So how did this issue affect what was happening? Well, what ended up happening is that this is how St. Nicholas was introduced to the celebration. As a compromise, almost. So like, the people were not willing to not continue celebrating Perktonov. So they wanted to keep their demonic character, but they had to introduce a more saintly character to make it kind of balance out. Exactly. So now St. Nicholas is part of the fun as well. So it was kind of to appease the church and to not demonize or rather make a more like part of the church theme, like saying, oh, you know, you got your Perkton here, who's like kind of your devil figure, but we also have St. Nicholas. So they're just kind of you know, having fun with each other, good and bad, right? It's fine. So it was kind of like their way of appeasing the church. Gotcha. Is how I interpret it. So present day-ish, like coming back to a little more modern, I would say that around the 17th century, the church basically did a pretty good job of trying to abolish the entire Perkta, Perkton uh, mythology. And instead, so the people were kind of upset about this and wanted to still maintain some sort of tradition of celebration that they've done, even though, you know how, like, people nowadays celebrate Christmas and people are like, you have to have Jesus or something. And they're like, I just want to celebrate Christmas. And sure. you got your, your different different school of thoughts, right, about, like, how Christmas is Yeah, and you have a lot of people of different religious backgrounds still celebrating at least a Western version of Christmas. Exactly. So yeah. that's how it kind of felt. It felt like we can't take everything away. So they ended up kind of creating what we know now as Krampus. So it changed into this character. And that's one theory of where he came from. Oh, so it's an idea. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, And because of this, originally since St. Nicholas was originally celebrated on December 6th, then Krampus would come visit the children on December 5th. Hmm. Yeah. But nowadays, depending on regions, it's December 24th now. So he's a Christmas Eve spirit. So he's a Christmas Eve spirit now. Oh, Very man. specifically. To all those people who celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. Nah, 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 nah. We're actually celebrating Krampus. Krampus Day. Eh, my family did then. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Why not? We have we have two Christmases because your family does it on Christmas Eve and my family does it on Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, But yours does it the evening of Christmas Eve. Mine does it the morning of Christmas. So it's still like a day. It's just got some sleeping in Yeah, the we always do it the, in the evening and then, yeah. Unless you're making tamales, and that feels like all fucking day. All day. All day. Oh, yeah, you held that one year. Oh, yeah, and I'm really bad at it. And well, I was trying so hard Everyone's kind of bad at it, except not, my mom. Not your mom. <laughs> your mom would always just keep grabbing them from us, and she and she was just like the one swipe her hand, well, and we would be perfect. Well, she was like filling them with the chili and the, and the uh, pork or whatever. And so, like, we would hand it to her, and she'd look at it, grab the other spoon, even it out, and then put in the pork. Because I think that was, it was just like quality control. <laughs> I know. The thing is, she was filling with pork, which was probably the job we should have given to those of us that really were really bad at this. So my mom would be the only one making them, and all, like, five of us would be filling them with We'd pork. make, like, yeah, half-full crappy things. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, tamales. One of those few dishes that they taste great when you don't have to make them. Yeah, you're like, was it worth it? I don't know. And then sometimes you think it is. It's once a year. Anyway, where were we? Where were we on this messed up tradition (laughs) um so nowadays speaking of celebration krampus is still celebrated very much so 
And very similar to how Perktenlauf was celebrated. Uh, but this time, Santa Claus is certainly joining on the fun. And today is called Krampuslauf, which I guess the whole thing was uh, meant Krampus run or Krampus. It's like a parade mm-hmm. where people would dress up as Krampus, run around and play tricks on people. They would often drink and even go into other people's homes to bring little gifts and tell stories and to scare the children. In exchange, they received alcohol and treats as well. So it's almost like the parents were rewarding them for scaring their kids. Oh, man. <laughs> so you're saying nowadays we leave out cookies for Santa, but in these other areas, they leave out like a shot for the Krampus. <sighs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. It's like trick-or-treating. See, everyone always wants to dress up as Santa and have the kids sit on their knee and they ask them for gifts and the ho-ho-ho. I want to dress up like Krampus and people just give me shots. <laughs> All this time we've been celebrating St. Patty's Day, paying for our own drinks. We so, need to dress up like Krampus so and get drunk for free. Santa's for the kids and Krampus is for the adults. Definitely. I like this. I like it a lot. So, people today still use uh, Krampus illustrations on their postcards very commonly. So, especially like in Germany and all that uh, stuff. Sometimes it is seen uh, torturing children, seducing women, or as a small cute creature. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Just whatever you like. And I I had to look it up of like seducing women because, you know, I I guess I can kind of see the deviousness because we're already getting drunk and well. So I looked it up and it looks like around the 1950s, there was a resurgence of Krampus because it actually really, really died down after the war. I mean... Obviously, a lot of things did. A lot of things did. Uh, So it kind of came back around the 50s. And then in the 60s, they really tried to portray him as like this kind of sex fiend. And there was just a lot of rated R illustrations that people had a lot of fun with. I almost feel like they were really catering it to the adults now at this point, even though it still had this connotation of scaring children. But the kids didn't really need it at that point. They had had a pretty definitive version of Santa. Already. And they were happy with that. So the resurgence of Santa didn't eat them or kill them. So, no. I, and I think by the 50s, you know, the idea of those Grimm's fairy tales where mm-hmm. the way to keep kids in lines with uh, threats of death may not necessarily be the best way to go about it. And right. having a fun, playful Santa was nice in that it's better tell your kids to look both ways for crossing the street because they could get hit by a car, not because Krampus will jump out of a vehicle <laughs> and eat you. Uh, Might have been kind of where we've gone or with Or whip you. Yeah, I, I think so. Um yeah, either way, he's still well and, and survived throughout history, throughout uh, other religions and wars. Krampus is still well in our lives. Well, and he's gotten quite a resurgence in things like movies and stuff. Yes. I'd say over the last decade, um, we've seen... So horrors kind of... Horror movies in general have had kind of a really good last 20 years. They used It used to go in cycles, but... We're seeing them on the streaming services. Oh, uh, yeah. They're being made a lot more readily. I mean, it's not like in the 90s where they did exist, but you <laughs> had to go find the the small section in the video rental store with the R movies and it was stuff like Leprechaun. Now horror movies are just a lot more prevalent. And so we're also seeing a lot of Christmas-themed horror movies popping up in the last couple yes. decades. I mean, there were some good classic ones like the original Black Christmas from, I want to say it was like the late 70s with Margot Kidder. I thought it was... Or at least I think you're probably right. Sometime in the 70s, yeah. yeah. Like Margot Kidder and um, yeah, and, and a couple other uh, important actors. But uh, recently we've had some really good ones. Our favorite recent one is Yay. 
called A Christmas Horror Story. Yeah. And the thing is, we thought it was going to be terrible. We saw the box art and we're just like, come on, this is going to be B-movie schlock. (laughs) And we were expecting it. We were just expecting a terrible movie. We were kind of desperate. We were like, I think we had gone through all of our Christmas movies and I was looking for something horror. You were still wanting something Christmassy and that was our compromise. And we were both dreading it a little bit and we were shocked at how good it was. Not only does it have high production values and good acting, but it's like decent acting. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's I don't great know. Acting. It's I don't know any of the film. I'd consider it good for exactly. A film. I mean, it opens with William Shatner, which is already kind of a red flag. But I'm like, well, they have money. Well, it he, was he was so funny when he actually sells his role in the movie. <gasps> yeah. Um, but it's like it's so it's a it's an anthology. It's an anthology film with uh, what four stories? Well, so there's an overarching. It's an overarching story. And then there's... There's the school story. There's the visiting grandma story. And there's a little kid one. There's a little kid story. And then there's Santa story. So there's five. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So there's five total stories and one overarching. They're all connected. Although, unlike movies like VHS, which are all Scientology movies, these are connected in a much looser way, but they are still connected. Well, they're all in the same town. Kind of like uh, a little bit like Trick or Treat. But yeah, but they all do relate, and sometimes you won't see how they relate until like a second viewing, and yeah. you'll be like, "Oh, I totally get it." But um, and all the stories are very different from each other, which was kind of cool. And they're all something that I think, if this helps anyone, just kind of like trick or treat, they're all from something that we already know existed. Absolutely. So they're not like made up creatures. They're not anything like that. It's like something that's already been in some sort of folklore or, like, storytelling. Exactly. And you'll be able to tell just from the box art that one of the stories involves Krampus. Oh, that's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's totally worth watching. And I think that was my first real exposure to Krampus. And then, and then we saw some YouTube videos of the, the Krampus walk where everyone's all dressed up as Krampus yeah. walking. And I don't remember if it was Germany. It might have been Norway. I can't remember I what can't city remember. it was. But that was pretty amazing, too. Yeah. I think it sounds super fun. I definitely want to go. Um, celebrate Krampus, Krampuslauf one day. I'm saying it terribly. Every time I kept hearing it uh, pronounced correctly, I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So, um, but anyway, I had a lot of fun telling the story. I try to bring you an entertaining enough reduced version. Well, I mean, any story that has children being dipped in ink with a pitchfork <laughs> only to assumingly be eaten later. I mean, that's that's just top quality storytelling that is- right there. Creepy. I need to see this picture, by the way. Is it like an old picture or is it like a recent picture? Uh, no, it looks kind of like old style illustration. Yeah, you'll. I'll, I'll show it to you. At least 100 years old? I would think so, yeah. Cool, because then we might be able to post it on our Instagram. Because if it doesn't belong to anyone, if it's in the public domain. Oh, I think it's like from the 1800s. <laughs> Sweet. Well, if it's in the public domain, then yeah. we can totally post it online for people, which I think would be great. Yeah. Um, we we want to share more pictures with you guys. We just have to be careful. we got to respect uh, copyrights. Uh, and 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 all that stuff so we can't put other people's pictures on there um and that's kind of what i try to do myself where where i'm telling stories they're just like more general knowledge i don't want to take anything from anyone's mouths or or anything like that and if there's credit due like quotes or whatnot but all of this is super old information well and it's and a lot of it's interpretive too because like you said this is one version of this is just one version another one was that he was like the son of in norse mythology he was a son of hell hgl Mm-hmm. And so that's where he came from. I mean, there's just like a tons. Different well, it's ones. just like even the story of Robin Hood. There's like 
Yeah. A million different renditions. Uh, some have magic, some don't. Some try to make him realistic. Some say he's royalty. Some say he doesn't. There's so many So you went with one and you went with it. You went with Lily's, Lily's Krampus version. This is Lily's Krampus version. Lily's Krampus. So this is the Krampus we're going to have to celebrate here because what so Lily he, says goes. Yeah, he started as a demon, ended up as a sex fiend. What? Better Krampus White. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? It was like sex fiend. Kids leave out alcohol for him. Um, this is the path I sh- I chose. So mm-hmm. and I ink. took you guys with me. Yeah, the ink thing was a little weird, but I had to throw it in there. Wow. All yeah. right. So this makes me just want to read more about other versions of Krampus to find out how they relate to each other and what things people agree on and what they don't. Yeah, it is. And then that's what I was talking about. Like, I really did have to read through a lot, kind of comb it through. And instead of going jumping back and forth, I just went with one that I liked. So Perfect. Yeah. Here we go. I'm going to take a sip. <laughs> well, I need a refresh on my drink. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go get a fresh round of drinks. You should do the same. And we'll be back in just a minute to continue because I have a story to tell you. Yes, I can't wait. Hey everybody, we're back, and now it's time for an end of episode encounter, encounter, encounter. <laughs> Yay, we're back. Yeah, I know, we didn't have one last week, we had a fun little detour, and we're gonna go back to Tropical Terrors in a future episode, but right now we're back to the aliens. So this one isn't quite on Christmas, but it's close. It's in November. <laughs> okay. Closer so to Thanksgiving? Um, it was before Thanksgiving. Oh. Early November. <laughs> it works for this. It's all related. So this story is called When Aliens Attack. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So this is a particularly unique one. And I ran into this one on accident. I ran into this one. I was trying to find Christmas-related stuff. And this popped up because of like a random side search. And I was like, I've never heard of this. But if any of you out there are really big into UFO sightings and everything, there's no there's no way you haven't heard of this. It's apparently a big high profile one. But, you know, mm. for me, it was new. It was pretty exciting. So this incident has many different names. Sometimes it's called the Robert Taylor incident. Sometimes it's mm. called the Livingston incident. Sometimes it's called the Dakemont woods encounter uh so there's a lot of different names for it wow like Krampus. yeah but i think it's because a lot of different newspapers of the time kind of just gave it its own their own headlines yeah yeah so this one takes place in scotland we're going back to scotland but all the dogs it does have dogs but (laughs) (laughs) they're not jumping off bridges in this one so this is good awesome all right so this takes place and this one was before we were born Yay. Yeah, my, um, this takes place on November 9th, 1979. Okay. So my brother would have been like about half a year old at this point. So, I mean, it's still <laughs> recent, but, you know, it's still a ways ago. I mean, color TV existed. Let's go. Let's go there. This is the color TV era. That's all that matters. All that matters. Uh, and this also takes place. So, you know, as I said, November 9th, 1979. But this takes place at 1030-ish a.m. in the morning. Okay. So a guy named Robert Taylor, who was a forestry worker, and he was employed by the uh, Livingston Development Corporation, uh, he was working for them, and he was uh, with his dog walking in a wooded area of Deckmont Law. Okay. So uh, I had to look it up. In Scotland, when they say law, it means hill, like big hill. Oh, okay. Uh, Deckmont Law is in Livingston, Scotland, 
which is around 15 to 20, uh, 15 miles west of Edinburgh. Okay. And that's about 24 kilometers for you metric friends out there. And so what makes this such an interesting encounter is he was actually attacked. Cool. As opposed to just saw something. And I know we have UFO abductions. Which I find that as a personal attack. No, I get that. But I mean, he, as far as we can tell, there was no abduction being reported. He was attacked. He was just... Which makes it a little bit weird. So Uh, was it... I mean, you're probably going to say this, but he, did he, like, stumble on them? Or was this alien, like, let's... Hey, there's oh, a guy over we're there. We're going to get to it. Okay. We're going to get to it. There's a lot of different things about this story. The reason I got really excited is I like... The two things I like when I'm looking for uh, UFO stories is I like ones that have a lot of evidence involved instead of just someone says they saw something. Right. But I also like the ones that are different than the others because then it doesn't feel like someone just regurgitating or taking something from their unconscious memory or something like that. Like, it's, it seems like something unique happened, and I really like that. Sure. And that this is one such story. <laughs> so anyway, so he's, he's walking through a wooded area on this hill with his dog with him, and he came to a small clearing, and that's when he saw what he described as a, quote, flying dome, end quote. Ooh. It was roughly six and a half meters wide, he, and he further described it as, quote, a dark metallic material with a rough texture like sandpaper, end quote. And he also said that around the edge of it, on the rim of it, were small propeller-like objects. Oh, okay. It's hard to explain. He, ex- he described it to a, a sketch artist later who drew it. I'll yeah. show you that picture in a minute. And, we'll, and oh, I think pictures. we can absolutely put that online. Yes, definitely. Um... And then, but that's not just it. So he he walks, he comes upon this dome-like structure. And then he says that two smaller balls, about three feet in diameter, a little less than a meter in diameter, came out of the dome. Mm. And he said they looked like sea mines, meaning they have all these spikes oh, coming yeah, off of yeah. them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that they rolled on those spikes. They were on the ground rolling the spikes towards him. <gasps> And then when they got him, they attempted to drag him towards the large sphere. So how do they grab him? Like poke him? Yeah, it would appear because. So 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 we'll actually get to that. So okay. it seems like they were kind of trying to drag him with their like spikes, right? Okay. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say because so I actually watched because you can see the video of this guy telling the story. I mean, it's that oh, recent. Cool. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say he's the most detailed. He tries to be, but he. He's not telling the story as thoroughly as maybe someone like you and me would have wanted. Sure. Um, so anyway, there uh, he says, quote, I remember feeling a tug at that time, you know, because they were trying to, trying to drag him towards yeah. it. And he continued to say, a very powerful smell, a choking sort of smell, end quote. Hmm. He later described the smell as being like burning brakes. Oh, like tires mm-hmm. or something. Like, if you, you slam on the brakes, I would assume. That oh, kind of smell. I guess so. Kind of metallic, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I think this, and we're going to get back to this later, I think this is the most interesting part of the story, because it, it has a, there's a lot to talk about here when it comes to a smell. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it was at this point that he lost consciousness. He estimates that he was unconscious for around 20 minutes. They do not 
say how he made this estimate. I don't know if he had a watch on him or if it had to do with when he knew when he was out there and when and afterwards, but he thinks he's out for about 20 minutes. When he came to, the objects were all gone. He also noticed that he had rips all up his pants and grazes on his thighs and chin. He had a headache, a dry throat, his legs felt paralyzed, and he was in a confused state. So he wasn't just hungover? Because that's right. right. (laughs) I'm also going to point out, and this is the part that makes me sad, he went out there with his dog. The dog is never mentioned again. And Uh, I would assume that's not, that's because he wasn't relevant to the story. Because most of the accounts I was saying didn't even mention the dog until I watched the interview and he mentioned he had his dog with him. So I assume the dog is fine. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like the dog was taken or... I think that would have been pretty explicitly said. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. And there was also one particular version of the story that said when he got up, he tried to start his car, but he couldn't and he ended up walking back to town. But only one of like the four stories I read said that part. So I don't know how true that is. He never said it in his interview. That that's what happened. Okay. But he was definitely confused. When he got home, he told his wife that he'd been attacked. He told her it was a spaceship, and she said, quote, Oh, goodness me. There's no such thing as a spaceship. I'm going to call the doctor. You must have fell and hurt your head. End quote. (laughs) She actually said it, and she had the most delightful Scottish accent. Sounds like what a mom would say. Right? (laughs) So she called the police and medical professionals, who all came. After his, you know, abrasions were treated, the police went with Taylor to the site. First thing they noticed, there was no smell. Hmm. They also found what was described as both, quote, ladder-shaped marks and two track marks, end quote. So there were actual indentions in the ground. On the ground. As well as 40 holes in the ground in the (gasps) area. The holes are about three and a half inches in diameter. Which would suggest that, you know, if you have these balls rolling around with all these spikes, they might cause mm-hmm. all those little holes. A BBC News article by Stephen Brocklehurst noted that the tracks were caused by something quite heavy, such as the uh, such as types of, quote, caterpillar tracks often fitted mm-hmm. to bulldozers, end quote. However, there were no signs of tracks outside of this very small area, this clearing where he saw the UFO. So it would have had to, like, land there. Yeah, or, how would it or, have gotten there? Because... It would have had to have been transported there if it was so heavy. Yeah. Um, so they didn't see anything like that. And if it were a man-made object, it should show some evidence of how it got there. They also investigated whether any of the machinery in the vicinity or from the Livingston Development Corporation, the company that he worked for, if they had any machinery that would match those marks. Nothing came up similar to it. So nothing they could find in the area, nothing from the company. So they're like, we don't know. Like, it's similar to those things that we know about, but none of them are in the area. Yeah. The tears in Robert's pants were also investigated. They appear to have been caused by something that they said was hooking onto them and moving upwards on his leg, tearing downward. Almost like it was moving backwards then. Yeah. So it's not like he could have clawed him up himself because it was going the opposite. It was crawling up his legs while he was... uh, like either standing or on on the ground it was tearing wait so like the claw marks like let's say i have a hook was the hook going top bottom like hooking i would say like imagine you're standing and a cat is is climbing up your leg oh i see what you're saying okay tore holes in his pants okay yeah so the tears would be like kind of going hours but they there's some they they show symptoms of a claw going in and pulling down Down. yeah okay and that these 
uh, tears were not consistent with uh, what you would see if they were being snagged on things on the ground, like if you were crawling on the ground, or if he was clawing them upwards himself. Okay. So it wasn't consistent with those. Sure. It should also be noted that Robert Taylor is a respected man. Uh, He was liked in the community, and he was never known for telling stories, tall tales, or falsehoods. So he's a good witness, as most people, you know, skeptics or believers, Mm -hmm. they like him as a witness because it's pretty apparent he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who wants to tell a tall tale. Sure. And after this incident, there was no evidence that he was trying to gain publicity, fame, give excess interviews or anything like this he 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 wasn't like trying to make money off of this so right. it wasn't like a story that he might have just created that he sense. wasn't or trying seems, to make a book or like it seems as though know. that were it, it, no. that he was not that kind of person important other things to mention he was a war hero he was a church goer and he was a teetotaler and for those of you out there who don't oh. know what that means that means he was he didn't drink alcohol he was he did not like drinking alcohol so we couldn't say that he was drunk sure. or anything like this. And he <laughs> so was So he's a more reliable witness than either you and I. And he's a God-fearing man, so believing in UFOs falls into a much more specific and strict point of view uh, with people who are particularly uh, church-going than well, people right. who are like just like, ah, no, nah, I don't believe in God, but aliens come <laughs> take me away or something. Sure. So those are just important. those are just important character traits about him so that we know. The police officially reported this as a criminal assault. Hmm. Now, the sad part of the story is this guy, Robert Taylor, he passed away in 2007. Okay. So he lived many years after this, but at the same time, uh, he is no longer with us. Uh, But he maintained throughout his whole life that this is what he saw and this is what happened. We never, we have no more evidence as to what happened. You know, we couldn't test DNA. We weren't doing that at the Mm -hmm. time or anything like this. So this is what we have. This is the story we have to go on. Okay. So now, first thing I want to talk about is some questions that we might have about this. (laughs) I have a lot of questions. Oh, yeah, but I want to hear yours, too. Okay. So uh, one question is, let's say they are aliens. Sure. And he passed out. They didn't specifically say that he was sure he woke up where he fell down that was never talked about those aren't questions that seem to be asked in an interview uh, okay so we have no idea that maybe he was taken into this thing if right. we assume this was there and he was and this is that was he taking sex so we have no idea because he has no recollection of anything while he was passed out and he hasn't uh, uh talked about anything that's really badly happened to him since right. so he's not like noticing weird flashbacks or memories or crazy stuff like yeah. that yeah other question is, what happened to the dog during this? When he woke up, was the dog just sitting right next to him? Dog wasn't mentioned. That bothers me. because That I bothers me know. too. Because, uh, okay, so he also, another question is, so he said he had a dry mouth, having trouble talking. He was disoriented. So something happened to him. I want to know a little bit more about what's going on. I, I, I want more of a medical professional, like, who knows a little bit more about things that could have happened to him. Yeah, like, what are these symptoms associated with? I mean, like, I can tell you that sounds like a hangover, but at the same time, um, you know, like like you said, he was paralyzed in the legs. Exactly. But he, but he must have gotten up, so how paralyzed was he or how long? Exactly. And then furthermore, he has all these tears on his pants and abrasions on his thighs and chin. How bad are these abrasions? I mean, obviously, if the pants were torn up, that's a significant amount of force, but how bad were his legs? We're talking just like, like bruising, little scratches. I mean, do we see a difference in force between what's happening to the pants and to his legs? I mean, there's so many questions yeah. to ask. So, so before I go into what 
believers, you know, ufologists think, what skeptics think, how about you ask me some questions just in case it's something I forgot to mention that I did research? Well, I guess, I don't know if there were more questions. I just have, so with the tire marks, maybe that's where the I'll start. The track marks. The track marks, yeah. Uh, you said that they were kind of similar to like bulldozers and, and they said or, that some things could be similar to. Uh, when I was reading more about it, especially we're thinking some of these holes because some bulldozers will have these like spikes, little things yeah. on them. Um, I'm assuming it's kind of like those devices we bring around parks when we're like yeah. taking out the plugs. But I guess what I mean is uh, you mentioned that, okay, there, but there weren't anything like that around the area. Okay, that's fine. Only in the clearing. Only in that small area of the In clearing. that clearing. But have they ever been able to identify it to something anywhere? Like saying, okay, there weren't any machinery in this area. Hmm. But we've tested it, and then there's, like, this rare machine that's used in China. That matches it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, did they ever end up matching it? I'm assuming because he was fine, and they were already dealing with him saying he saw some sort of alien device. I don't think the investigation went went that deep. That's 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 the issue. Well, now with the internet, that's something that some guy on Reddit would have figured out in about eight seconds. He's like, like, oh, I've dealt with all those things all the time when I I was, like, living in Serbia. If these tracks are available online, because I think, I mean, there's, like, people who are... The, investigators the, the who are professional. A, the police have diagrams, and you can see a fuzzy version of the diagram in the a video. Fuzzy, okay. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure you could request it. I'm betting. I'm. I don't know what the um, what information gets released to the public from like Scotland Yard or whatever. But maybe it's a publicly available. I don't know. Okay. Any other questions? Uh, not at this time. All right. So, <laughs> first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go into the believers ufologists. Why? Because they're the easiest ones to talk about because they believe everything. Yeah. If the light flickers, it's aliens. It's fun. Yeah. So we're just gonna deal with them. So obviously, ufologists <laughs> love this story. It is apparently a very popular one and a liked one. It's widely discussed because of how different it is than other encounters, namely because there was an attack involved. That there's actual physical injuries that can be documented. Mm. A lot of people who say they get like abducted, they can't prove any sort of injury when they they have no know, physical. Like, yeah, they'll right. claim that there's like some microchip, but X-rays don't show it, and they're like, oh, they obviously have to say it's some sort of alien tech you can't detect or something like that. But they know it's there. Yeah, this guy actually had real physical injuries, and there was physical evidence in the area of disruption to nature. You know, the all the holes, yeah. the forty holes. Like, and these I think marks. it's safe to say that something was there. So oh, something I mean, happened. Do you know what I mean? So we that's know, the but, interesting but part. But what happened? We yeah. don't know. But so ufologists are all over this. Like, it's different. It's exciting. We have evidence. They love it. So obviously, most of them are just like, totally, I believe this. Right. And even the more skeptical ufologists uh, that I was reading, I don't know a lot of these people's reputation, so I'm not going to drop names. Uh, I've read a few names, but it's really hard to find out if how important they are. But apparently, this one is considered, even by the more skeptical people who believe in UFOs, as one of the more credible accounts that mm-hmm. has been recorded mm-hmm. because of these other pieces of evidence. Things that they think are super key is the damage to his clothes and his injuries because it, it, they they did not seem consistent with something he could have done to himself. Right. The tearing and everything. He could have obviously abrased his chin and legs himself, but the damage to the clothing. Um, His unique interpretation of the UFO, they really like, because it wasn't just a generic, there was a sphere in the sky. His, he had these little weird propeller objects. Yeah. Um, Let me see. Okay. Don't read anything at the top, but you can see. So there's the drawing that's his interpretation of the UFO. Oh, weird. That's the guy himself to the right. Okay. Bottom left is one of the holes that there were 40 of. 
Bottom left, you mean? Bottom left is the hole. And the bottom right shows the area where he saw it. Oh, okay. And his finger's in the way. Sorry, he's like pointing to something. (laughs) So the holes aren't as deep as I thought they would be. I agree. But they are definitely obviously there. They're not like, like, oh, that could just be natural. That something, some creature did that, either a human or an animal. That was done by a creature. That that just doesn't occur. Yeah, for sure. And you can see what I mean by propellers on the UFO. So he did describe then that like the the sphere itself had some sort of ladder like uh landing like it was like feet. yeah it was like it had landing gear like when i was just standing there. yeah and but they're okay that's cool okay yeah. okay i got and they it. really do look like those underwater mines like you've seen in a little Nemo bit with everything. a lot less sticks and they're more pogo stick yeah i'll try to put pictures on the uh on like the, the our twitter or something like that so you can see them or the instagram yeah so uh People love his abnormal interpretation of the UFO. When things start getting more unique like that, it sounds, like I said earlier, it sounds less like someone's just regurgitating something they've heard before. His Mm -hmm. was unique, and no other UFO has really been described this way. Like rolling mines and weird... And they're (laughs) not propellers. Like If you you can't see the picture uh, right now because you're listening to us, don't imagine like it has a plane with propellers. I'm talking like tiny little weird moving objects that propellers the best description. Kind of like a little bit like a helicopter because that's the plane it's on. Yeah, but so there's the tiny like, like compared to the whole yeah. thing, and there's like 50 of them going around a ring. Imagine they had a lot of uh, those little kids hats with a little propeller on top. Yeah, so <laughs> like like 30 of those going around the yeah. rim of a kind of a saucer like thing. Um, it's very weird. It's hard to describe. Maybe maybe. If There's going to be a picture. If we pretended that? that this was real, um, maybe they had some sort of scientific instrument going on. Now let's go to the skeptics. And what I like about this is that this is one of the first times where I actually have some disagreements with the skeptics. Skeptics, one of the first things they'll mention is that nobody else who came by afterwards noticed a weird smell. Okay. And... Things that are important to also notice is, if we're talking about important facts that the skeptics can talk about, is that he smelled something weird that no mm-hmm. one else could get. That he was disoriented afterwards, having trouble moving, you know, the weird dryness of his throat. But it's also important to note that he did have, 14 years before, meningitis. Oh. Which can have profound long-term effects on the body. Uh, his treatment was successful, but he did have it. It's something to mention. And another thing that's really important to notice, if you'll see from the picture I'm going to show the area, the clearing does have posts in it, like man-made objects. They were either cut down trees that look like posts or there's something there. So this area has been manipulated by humans. Yeah. To what degree, it's unknown. But this is not like an untouched wilderness area. This area has been modified. People were there at this time doing stuff. So... The idea that some sort of equipment had previously been there is still very possible. And so that, that's something that's very important to think about. All right. A woman named Patricia Hannaford, a qualified physician, suggested that Taylor had an epileptic attack. Mm. Um, essentially, he had a seizure. And this would explain the weird things he saw and smelled and that, that right. would be explained by hallucinations. So a very common thing when people are having strokes and seizures is they do smell weird stuff. Sometimes they taste weird stuff, too. I have too, heard that, And yeah. they see weird stuff. And I think that's one of the most interesting things. The smell alone, I think, is one of the most intriguing things. The smell, I think, is the most damning thing to his story. Yeah. Because it's such a common symptom of people who are having either seizures or strokes and other things happening with their brain. 
And so let's talk about him having a seizure. If he was having a seizure and he smelt all that stuff, what are the chances that his dog freaked out and started clawing at his leg? <gasps> oh. None of the experts said that. That's a chase theory. I honestly didn't even go there in my head. You know how head. animals can react. So so certain animals, uh, service animals, they're trained to help out people in these sure. situations. But a dog who's not trained to handle this, and he's never seen it because this guy doesn't have a history of these things. Because, see, you can't say he was scratching him up himself because they said that the signs of the of the tears in his jeans were going the wrong direction that he right. could have done it himself. But what if the dog was clawing at his legs because he's freaking out? Man, I wish... Like, I don't know what kind of... Like you said, since it's not... Since it's like a UFO situation, mm-hmm. what kind of research or, uh, what should I say, investigation there was to to figure it out. Exactly. You know? um, dang it. So that's a little chase yeah. theory. But... Don't know. Maybe the dog wouldn't react that way because it's not necessarily the normal reaction for a dog. We don't know how this dog would react. And that'd be Typically, one of the things, I guess you're right. If yeah. you're back then investigating with the knowledge we have now, one of the first things we would do is we'd try to see how this dog reacts in different situations. Well, not just that. I think you would just literally go into their claws and see if there's any <laughs> like skin oh, yeah, well, yeah, cells. That too. Well, that's if we or, have the technology of today. I meant like if we, oh, you, we were the back time. then. Oh, at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe make Robert try to do a fake seizure and see how the dog reacted, something like that. Oh, yeah. So then we have a UFO skeptic, uh, Stuart Campbell, who came along with the police uh, to the site at the time. He revisited the area later on and looked around to the areas surrounding it. And he found plenty of PVC pipe and pipe sections in nearby fields. Mm. Furthermore, he found that the local water company had laid cabling nearby about 100 meters away uh, from where this UFO was witnessed. And he concluded that this might have explained the weird markings on the ground. Not quite sure why. Maybe he thought some people were... Maybe digging little bits of hole with pipes. But he, his suggestion was the PVC pipes are pretty similar in shape to these holes. Doesn't uh, explain the track. Okay. Right. Because even if even if you needed a vehicle like that to lay the track, why wouldn't you have signs of it coming and going from this small area? Exactly. And it was 100 meters away. 100 meters is not a small amount of space. Yeah. It's pretty far distance. So this was his idea. I don't necessarily agree with him. I think it's something that has plausibility. But you, if he really wanted to pursue this, he could go to that company and talk to the people who are supposed to lay the cabling. And Instead ask of just them, saying, oh, it probably was. And ask them about the area. Uh, yeah. But I did not get any information that suggested he did do that. Maybe he didn't, and, and I didn't get to read about mm-hmm. it. But what I read did not suggest he went that far with it. Now, Steve Donnelly, an editor of The Skeptic, which is a UK magazine about skepticism, particularly talking about paranormal stuff, okay. said he thinks it was also an epileptic attack. And that Taylor witnessed a mirage of Venus, or that the mirage of Venus triggered his epilepsy. I think this is dumb. What? And I want to jump right in here and say that as a skeptic myself, I get pretty upset when a lot of skeptics can't wait to say things like, oh, you saw this reflecting off of this, or you use, like, they'll say you saw Venus. It's almost like their explanation is so much more elaborate. Well, I think the explanation is dumb. Well, yeah. so if, if you were talking about you see, like, a light in the sky... And it's moving a little weird or it's flickering a little weird and you don't understand it. And you want to say, oh, you might just be seeing Venus because it's such a bright star. And you can, it's not a star, but it's such a bright point. Like, yeah. And it looks a little abnormal some of the time. I'm okay with that. But he says it either triggered his epilepsy or while he's having an epileptic attack, he saw it and it caused his hallucination. I mean, he saw something that he described as six meters wide on the ground. And there's right. no way it could have created a mirage. Like when you see a mirage of the sun went on like a very humid day and area and the sun looks like it's impossibly big in the sky that's the sun 
That's like <laughs> yeah. the biggest thing in our solar system, not a tiny little planet. And so, you know, if, if he was talking about seeing a distant light that he thought was a UFO, sure, I could believe Venus. But this just seems like he's just like, ah, he just saw a planet. It's nothing. This seems like dismissing it rudely. Right. And also, I think it's it's insulting to to uh, Robert's intelligence. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, other optical effects that are things like he said are, you know, seeing the green flash when um, the sun is setting. Sometimes you see the green flash. These are optical oh, effects. Right. We know these exist. We're in a modern society that understands optics and things like this. So we we get them and we we can tell what people maybe a thousand years ago might have thought was a godlike or supernatural event. We now know is oh, this is an optical illusion, like a rainbow. We understand that now. But this is this is like a six meter wide object. It's like in right his next face. to him, and balls with spikes crawled up and clawed up his legs, <laughs> saying he saw Venus. And his leg, and he it's woke up with legs. It's something super tangible. Like it's yeah. right fucking. It's like if you're telling me this building that's in front of me isn't there. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you because I can actually touch it too. Absolutely. You know. So I mean, at this point, this is what we have. The skeptics. The only skeptic argument that has merit is that maybe he had some sort of episode, like an yeah. epileptic attack or a seizure. I agree. Which would suggest that he maybe, which would explain why he hallucinated and saw something. And we could try to say it would explain the claws in his legs by it being a dog or maybe the people who investigated his pants did it badly and it was himself. Yeah. So if we buy all that, we still have to explain all these holes and the tracks. Right. Which by themselves aren't super crazy. But in, I mean, because except that we don't know how they got there. There's no tracks going to the the area but when you tie it all together it becomes a bunch of things that make the whole thing sound a little fishy yeah like you can't one explanation didn't explain the other thing you know what i mean like there's not a whole there's not like a a, like one story that says oh this all puts it all together that's what happened and so normally this is where chase jumps in with his theory that mostly just says it's nothing happened here that was totally supernatural or anything but this is honestly going to be one of the first times where I do buy that maybe he had an epileptic seizure. But there's just enough weird things going on here that I'm just going to actually say it. <sighs> I think there's a chance something weird happened here. Nice. I don't know what it is, but I think something weird might have happened here. I agree. Just going to say. Maybe not. Maybe everything could be covered. Maybe it was just the perfect combination, a perfect storm of there was equipment there at some point in the past. It hadn't been rainy enough and so the the land hadn't kind of recovered from everything yet so the track weren't so visible and then he happened to have an epileptic seizure and his dog reacted atypically clawed up his legs there's got to be a lot of things going on so yeah if if i if i was able to witness the event from the distance go back in time and see it and it looked like a perfect storm i'd be like absolutely total perfect storm crazy huh and these stories usually are just crazy things but there's just enough here that i would put this if i was filing things away I put this into the needs further investigation <laughs> file. Haven't quite figured it out. This would be an X file. A that, total X file. That I'd let, I'd let my little fox moldy. <laughs> That's my pet name for him, by the way. I know it's Mulder. I'd let fox moldy and scoliosis uh, figure it out. <laughs> First of all, I've never heard you use those names. <laughs> but So anyway. Okay. Um, Anyway, that so was that's, great. That, that's what I, I got. So that's that's my scary story. Tell me, tell me, tell me your thoughts about the scary story. I think it was. I thought it was really good. It was very interesting. I mean, like like you said, it was one of very few where there's physical evidence, and that's just kind of 
and an attack. Come the on. best thing ever. I mean, that's kind of what you want in a, well, not that you want, but like if there was a crime scene, you want evidence. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like if there was something going on, you want something that you can like study and and there was instead of someone just having a story. And having the cops there, I like. Because people can just tell stories right. and cops might like write down the report, but cops went there. And as I saw on this video, and I'll post a link to the YouTube video, of course, as the cops showed, they actually took evidence and, wrote, and drew diagrams and looked at his pants and everything. Yeah, that's um, cool. His pants, by the way, now are in the possession of a ufologist who's all crazy, <laughs> you know, tinfoil hat about this. Oh, Lord. But, uh, and I'd like to see him myself because I just kind of like to see, but at, at this point, that was. I was like, what, 40 years ago? 41 years ago? So Something like, like that. The, the pants are going to deteriorate to the point where you can't actually fully tell what happened to them. But. So, yeah. I mean, but I think actually, if anything, I wonder if there's anyone that can like look at it. But then mm-hmm. again, it could have been manipulated already because transport, when they first analyzed it, you don't know if they Absolutely. what they did to it. So, I guess... Yeah, and I just wish we could go back there and we could ask the questions like the dog. What happened to the dog? Was the dog yeah, there? Yeah, I would really like um, to know... There's there's just some other questions there that I have. I just I find the whole thing pretty interesting. I think it's a pretty good story, but yay, okay. that's not the only UFO in Ken we're going to talk about today. Ooh. I got a short one for you. That last one was not Christmassy, but this one is Christmassy. <laughs> yes. So this is called UFO in Space. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because. If we were to see UFOs, where's the most logical place? I would say space. Yes. Because they had to come from somewhere. So why have we not seen UFOs in space? Well, turns out we might have. (laughs) So anyway, this one goes a little bit further back. December 16th, 1965. Okay. Walter Shearer and Thomas Stafford, astronauts, were both aboard the Gemini 6 spacecraft Mm. about to re-enter Earth's atmosphere. They contacted Mission Control to report that they spotted a UFO. They straight up said UFO? I mean, like, I know it's unidentified flying object, but... I will give you the full quote. Okay. (laughs) This is a quote from Shira's memoir, which is called Shira's Space. Quote, We have an object. Looks like a satellite going from the north to the south, probably a polar orbit. Looks like it might be going to re-enter soon. You might let me pick up that thing. I see a command module and eight smaller modules in front. The pilot of the command module is wearing a red suit. (gasps) End quote. Mission Control was gobsmacked. Immediately following the report, Mission Control began to hear the most unexpected of sounds. The tune of jingle bells played on a harmonica accompanied by sleigh bells. I'm not making this up. So full of it. (laughs) Okay. It was Walter Shearer's idea, and the two astronauts practiced several times before the mission. They brought these up with them into space, the harmonica and the sleigh bells. That's awesome. Both the harmonica and sleigh bells are on display at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. This is historic... (laughs) This is his. You had me for a second. I was like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) This is historic because it was the first time music was ever performed in space. Oh, okay. Music had been played in space for astronauts, but this is the first time music had ever been knowingly performed in space. It is also probably (laughs) the first prank ever done in space. Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) So it wasn't a UFO. (laughs) 
But I thought it was a good Christmas UFO story for you guys. Yes. I wanted to make sure that we here at Hair of the Werewolf wished you guys an awesome holiday in whatever way or method you guys like to celebrate it. Yes, I agree. And most importantly, let's hope it's got plenty of drinking. I agree. I mean, I'm already ahead of the game here, but I do want to say happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Krampus. Just happy holidays. Yeah, Um, happy Hanukkah if that's your thing and all the... Did Hanukkah already end? Uh, Hanukkah started a while ago. I, I can't remember. I'm real, I'm, I'm fuzzy on those dates. I don't and know. I apologize. I should know. Um, I feel like I should know. We might, I think we'll have one more episode this year. Uh, I think there's one more Saturday before. There has to be one more Saturday. There before. is definitely one more. Yeah. So I think we're going to have one more episode this year before the New Year's. So this isn't the end of the year, but it's the last episode before Christmas. Definitely. And of course, there are, let's see, our announcements. Visit us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, so we're going to be able to post uh, photographs uh, or pictures to our Instagram account, but links to things like videos and whatnot, those will be. Re- yeah, you're a lot better at it. I mean, like, yeah, you're, those are going to be restricted to Twitter and Facebook. Right, you're the one who posts on those. And then, sadly, for anyone who's following us on Instagram, that's me. So I try my best well, to but post Instagram pictures. Doesn't, Instagram doesn't let you put links. You can only Not put links, links to the profile. But I try to do pictures. I'm going to try, try more, I yeah. promise. But some of the things like we'll send you, uh, we'll put, I'll put up the YouTube link to the interview with this guy and like the police report. It was, it was a whole news report of the uh, the Scotland UFO incident, and um, maybe if we can find some cool Krampus pictures that we're allowed to use, we'll there's there's plenty. Well. Trust me. Sweet. So, and if this is your first time listening to us, we are making ourselves available on multiple platforms, including. Uh, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and our direct Captivate RSS feed. If you can think of anything, any other feed that you want us to be on to make your life easier, just let us know, and we'll try to make it easier on you guys for listening to us. And if you have any stories you want to share, ideas that you want to listen to, like anything you got out there that you want us to tell, our email address is hotwpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I think that, that about does it. So from us to you guys, happy end of the year, happy holiday festivities, and cheers. And cheers. Because remember, the best cure for a hangover is fear. See ya. Peace. Ha 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 